Dan Bongino. Welcome to the Bongino Brief. I'm Dan Bongino. This article by Michael Anton is amazing. The article is entitled, From the American Mind, That's Not Happening, and It's Good That It Is. This is a manifesto on how to break down leftist tactics. He covers seven of the new communists' worst tactics for trying to defeat and destroy freedom and liberty. And when you become familiar, you study and you understand these tactics, you will never unsee them, ever. You will see them every time they pop. You will know how to defeat them. You'll know what they're doing. You'll know how to call it out. Tactic number one from Anton, the celebration parallax. It may be stated as the same fact pattern is either true and glorious or false and scurrilous, depending on who states it. In contemporary speech on any controversial topic, or to say better regime priority, the decisive factor is the intent of the speaker. If she can be presumed to be celebrating the phenomenon under discussion, she may shout her approval from the rooftops. If not, you better shut up before someone comes along. So Michael Anton, tactic number one, you need to memorize this, tattoo it on your brain, the celebration parallax. Tucker Carlson talks about the Democrats using immigration to replace the voters they're losing. And Tucker Carlson is a white supremacist, is a racist, is a bigot, should be immediately boycotted and kept off the air. The New York Times and Dick Durbin say the exact same thing, but they celebrate it. Yes, the demographics are not in the Republicans' favor. The uh, New York Times, Michelle Goldberg, we can replace them. The exact same thing. And yet it's celebrated as a true and glorious statement. Tactic number two, the law of merited impossibility. (laughs) This is one law that basically says that didn't happen, but when it did, you deserved it. It enforces our current caste system. He says the third purpose of this, the law of merited impossibility, is to enforce the new caste system. Those who get to impose fresh, irrational indignities on the rest of us are the upper caste. Those who object or have reservations are the lower caste. The latter are not allowed to harbor, much less express any doubts. Whatever humiliation the upper caste has planned for us, we deserve and must meekly accept. Hence, when said, pervy 50-year-old actually does start waving around her equipment in the girls' locker room. If any parent dares object, let him have it with both barrels. That thing that 10 seconds ago you said would never happen. Now it's righteous punishment for the retrograde. Remember when it first was discussed, letting men in the women's room? Remember that a long time ago? A long time ago, like less than 10 years ago? I'm being silly. Yeah. Remember that, Joe? And they said, it was a big thing in Maryland, by the way, when I still lived there, which was a while ago. And remember that Neil Parrott was fighting against it? And they said, that's no, you hysterical Republicans, you're making a big deal out of this. This is only for people who've undergone therapy. There's not going to be a man who goes in the woman's room and says, hey, I feel like a woman today. And then it just happened in California. And the people who objected were told, you see, you see, okay, we told you it was never going to happen. But now that it's happening, you deserve it because you're transophobes. Rule number three, the law of salutary contradiction. This law basically says, these are leftist tactics, that that's not happening, what you say is happening, you conservative nuts, but it's good that it is. You need an example of the law of salutary contradiction? Remember when the uh, Tucker had alleged that the NSA was spying on him, a story we now know is true? Well, the left said, is the NSA spying on Tucker Carlson? 
That's an insane conspiracy theory, which is also warranted by Tucker's treasonous contacts with Russian officials as he seeks an interview with Putin. The law of salutary contradiction. That's not happening, Tucker being spied on. But it's good that it is. Let's go to rule number four, my uh, personal favorite. The Smales exhortation. Remember Judge Smales? Well, we'll get to him in a second. If you've seen Caddyshack, you'll figure this out in a moment. The Smales exhortation basically says this. Democracy is great as long as we win. If you get anything, democracy sucks, should be thrown out, you should be insulted. Here, from Anton's piece about the Smales exhortation. He says, our masters bleed about democracy, but they've redefined the word to mean getting exactly what we, i.e. the libs, want. Any ostensibly democratic outcome that might result in us getting what we want is ipso facto illegitimate. A border wall? You're a fascist. Immigration enforcement? You're racist and fascist. Law and order? You're double racist and fascist. Better trade deals? You're economically illiterate. An end to endless wars? Catastrophic. And also somehow anti-Semitic, too. Penis-free girls' bathrooms? Definitely transphobic. Democracy's great, fellas. It's awesome. Unless you get what you want, then democracy, you get none of it. What is it based on the Smales exhortation? It's based on this. I want a hamburger. No, a cheeseburger. I want a hot dog. I want a milkshake. I want potatoes. You'll chips. get nothing and like it. You will get nothing and you'll like it. The Smales exhortation. It's funny. You guys like democracy. And then we vote for things like increasing police budgets because we like public safety, securing our borders so we don't just have a suggestion. We have an actual border. You know, things like lower taxes for economic growth. No, no, you can't have that. We only meant democracy when we win. Merry Christmas, Once you see the animal. <laughs> so perfect for that. Let's go on to rule number five, Michael Anton's piece. The lieback imperative. What's the lieback imperative? Here's how Michael Anton describes it. He says, quote, a great many conservatives are not merely willing, but eager to play along with the lieback imperative. Indeed, whole institutions of the establishment right, air quotes, because they're not right at all, do little else but reassure their ostensible constituency that the left not only doesn't mean it's proto-genocidal rhetoric, but isn't even saying it. Folks, the useful idiots, they have to lie for the left and insist to conservatives who are supposed to be their constituency that know what the left is saying about CRT isn't true. What the left is saying about we will replace them in the New York Times, that's not true. They always recruit useful idiots. Here is one of the most useful idiots out there, David French, who pretends to be a Republican. He tweeted this out about CRT. We live with the legacy of the bigoted structures racists created. Our obligation is to seek justice and does not depend on our personal fault. And there is nothing conservative about denying the consequences of centuries of racist harm. My Sunday essay. He is the useful idiot on the right used to implement the left's agenda. Once in a while, I gave him a pass a long time ago and used his stuff because I thought he would come around and realize how dumb he really was. No. He's the lieback imperative guy. The left is using him as a tool, and he's grifting, trying to get clicks off his piece, knowing what he says is ridiculous. You have no responsibility for this uh, racism that happened in the past, but you have responsibility for it. This guy said the exact opposite years ago. The lieback imperative guy. Second to last one, penultimate here. He calls the enmity counteraccusation. He says, as the regime hacks, spew vile, 
borderline and sometimes explicitly violent rhetoric at you, they will immediately wheel and counterattack if you dare object. Don't appreciate being called evil because of your race? Then you are divisive. Dare put up your hands to block an incoming punch? That's violence. You're just supposed to sit back and take it. Now, where did we see this? Uh, we did a show on The Coming Coup, an article Michael Anton wrote. The article, folks, Anton's article, The Coming Coup, from months ago before the election, was literally about a leftist group called the Transition Integrity Project that had threatened to street fight. Here's what we quoted right before the 2020 election, talking about how there'll be a crisis and events will unfold quickly. Sleep-deprived leaders will be asked to make consequential decisions quickly. Thinking through options now will help ensure better decisions. Listen to this. Goes on. Planners need to take seriously the notion that this may well be a street fight, not a legal battle. Notice what he, what it, no, now pay attention to the rest of this. He says a street fight because I know what a lot of you leftists are saying now. Oh, no, no. He's just using that. You know, people talk about street fights all the time. They don't really mean it. Notice what he excludes. And he says, no, we don't mean this. We literally mean a street fight. He goes on. So he says this may well be a street fight, not a legal battle. Technocratic solutions, courts, and a reliance on elites observing norms are not the answer here. So notice how he's very specific that he literally means a street fight. But again, the left went back to tactic number six, the enmity counteraccusation. You doubt me? You want an example? <laughs> Look at this dipwad at the New York Times, Davy Alba. This is from October of 2020, right after we put this that show up called The Coming Coup. It's still on our, our, my Rumble account if you want to check it out. She says, riled up, misinformation stokes calls for violence on Election Day. Baseless claims are circulating online about a Democrat-led coup inflaming tensions in an already turbulent election season. Try to foster a street fight and a coup, and then when we call you out for it on the left, accuse us of a coup. Media useful idiots. They're almost as useful as David French. Let me go to rule number seven. It's an important one. We'll call this one. The beatings will continue until morale improves. It's a little bit longer, but it's worth reading. He says, this brings us to the last rule or tactic. Deplorable Americans are loudly and incessantly said to be the worst people in the history of the planet. Pure, unadulterated evil with no legitimate concerns, interests, or grievances. Well, okay. Then why live with us? Why treat as anathema even the most moderate, banal attempt to allow some measure of federalism and local control? There can only be two answers. Either our liberal masters know or intuit deep down that we can live without them, but they can't live without us. Or else they want to keep us around to administer what they view as deserved punishment. Being neither a psychiatrist nor a theologian, I can't say whether the roots of this behavior are psychotic or demonic, but in this layman's judgment, it exhibits key characteristics of both. I agree with Anton. It is psychotic. You see the moving vans lining up in California and New York and escaping. And what do they do? They object. They scream about it. They find all kinds of reasons as to why people are leaving unrelated to liberal policies in these big cities. Why not just admit it? I don't understand. If you're so proud of what you've done, then why not just come out and say, listen, 
We enacted a liberal, compassionate, morally upstanding agenda. It's really terrific, and we love it. And we're really glad these racist, xenophobic, transphobic, deplorable Trump voters are leaving. Please exit tomorrow. See, we say that to them. Please don't come down here because we don't want you down here. But they don't say that to us because why? They want to punish you. Folks, listen, please listen to what I'm telling you. Michael Anton is right. Liberals enjoy it. They enjoy insulting you. They enjoy the power over you. They'll call it all kinds of ridiculous euphemisms. Oh, it's accountability culture. It has nothing to do with accountability because they're not accountable in their own lives at all. This has everything to do with the power. These sick, deranged, sociopathic lunatics find in hurting, bankrupting, and torturing you and your family. Amazing. Folks, please read the article. It's important. It's one of the finest pieces I've seen in a long time. It is definitely worth your time. Read all seven rules. Commit them to memory. Print the piece. Pass it around. Do whatever you can to spread this. The Dan Bongino Show. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to The Dan Bongino Show wherever you get your podcasts.